This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. So good to see so many of you back. It's been an interesting few weeks, hasn't it, in our culture? And a couple things you should know about me that maybe I've never shared with you before is I've lived in a lot of different places, number one, okay? Everywhere from Michigan, that's why I don't talk right, that's what my wife Angie says, I don't talk right. Um, I've been in, I was born in Michigan, I've lived in Texas, I've lived in the Caribbean, back to Texas, back to the Caribbean, to Mississippi, in Tennessee, back to Mississippi, maybe a few places in between there. Been all over the world, seen a lot of different things, and y'all, people are people everywhere you go. And you know the great thing about, about this world and about the word of God is it's relevant to everybody, right? Not just from our American mindset. Another thing you should know is I was homeschooled. That's what's wrong with me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I was also homeschooled for a big portion of my education. And... Did you know in the last year that homeschool rates have doubled? Y'all, I don't think, like, I'm a financial advisor, that's, that's my job. When something doubles, something's happening. Does that make sense? And so I want to thank my parents who are in the house this morning, Jim and Lori Davis. I want to thank you for being a spearhead in the homeschool movement. And if I remember... I don't know if I've ever told you this, Mom and Dad, but I, I think it was still technically illegal in Texas when we were homeschooling when, when I was young, right? Now, now, let me understand. My parents aren't renegades. Now, the, the Christian Alliance Defense Fund was winning across the whole nation. You were ba basically, at that point, almost guaranteed to win that parents could homeschool their kids. But I want you to know, Mom and Dad, publicly, and for all of those watching online, that how much I respect and appreciate you more and more every single year. Thank you to both of you, especially my poor mother, for having to homeschool me and my three brothers all those years. Can we give them a hand this morning? Now, I have a lot to thank. That's why I brought those two things up about myself this morning, because I have a lot to thank in my parents and what they did and what they were willing to do that maybe other people weren't willing to do when I was growing up, the things they exposed me to. And in this prayer that we're about to read from Paul, he discusses at the end of it that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think. Did you get that this morning? That means if you can imagine it, God can do more. So what limits God in our life? This. What we can ask or think. Now, a lot of people can think it, but then they're afraid to ask it. Now I'm getting to the end of my sermon. <laughs> but what I feel like I was given a gift of growing up is the exposure to expand my thinking. And I realized what an advantage that gave me growing up and in this life as an adult. When you're exposed to things, it opens your mind and it expands your vision. So, some of you are probably thinking right now, well, I didn't grow up that way, and I'm not able to do those things that you mentioned. Well, that's okay. Guess what? You can do it through the experiences of other people and through books. And guess what? 
I'm not here bragging this morning, but I read 30 or 40 books every year. I've done that for, probably since I was about 20 years old. So you can do the math. I'm 42. Folks, there's a reason why there are people out there that have vision and accomplish great things. And what I would ask for you to do is this morning before the sermon is over that you would take the limits off. Can we do that this morning? Because guess what? This area in DeSoto County, Mississippi, they need it. We need it in this area to take the limits off. So I appreciate you listening to part of my testimony this morning. Why don't we get into the Word of God? Can we do that? So let's pull up Ephesians 3. 13 through 21. Now I'm going to read the whole passage because many of you that have been listening to me for years know I can get off on a few rabbit trails sometimes. So, and I have promised the camera crew that I would not start darting across the stage too often, maybe once or twice this morning. All right, so let's read. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is for your glory. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Congratulations, we just had church this morning. Is that not awesome? Yes, let's give Paul, Paul, if you're listening, let's give him a, a round of applause this morning. I know God's listening. Here's the thing. There's a cloud of witnesses, and they're watching, and they're rooting us on. I believe they're up there rooting us on, saying, get back up. I know it's crazy in the world this, this year and last year. It's crazy. But guys, God has put on the inside of us the ability to deal with crazy some of you have small children. Come on, mothers in the house, unite. You can deal with crazy, right? So here's the thing. God has packed himself like an ad- in our atoms, like a nuclear bomb. He's packed himself inside of us. But he's not going to force his way out. God doesn't do that. He's going to ask you to let him out. By appropriating his promises, pulling down from heaven what he's given us already in Christ Jesus. I just, I just read a whole lot that he's already given us. You see that? It's not automatic. Why do some people mature more in Christ than other people? Why do some people seem to receive the promises more than others? Why do some people seem to have more success in life than other people do? And the reason is because, number one, Either they have or have not denied and crucified their flesh and come under the lordship of Jesus. But then number two, which hopefully I believe is most people in here, maybe they haven't allowed their faith to stretch to pull down the promises. That's why it's so easy for fear to invade and for you to be manipulated 
and for you to lose your peace over the smallest little things. I've done that. Sure is quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. See, we love to point and say, well, it must be nice for them. We love to say that. Or, I sure do wish that this would happen for me. But instead, we need to direct ourselves inside. We're about to talk about that. And grow strong in spirit so that we can develop faith, exercising just like lifting weights at the gym, just like going to my wife Angie's Pilates class, exercising within us the ability to apprehend and to pull down the grace of God. Do you see the bottleneck? God's saying, I've done, uh, Pastor Bob has said this so many times, and I promise Pastor Bob it works, even if it takes someone like me 20 years to figure it out. So he, he said, I've already done all of it because I love you so much. Believe it or not, this morning I'm already encapsulating the reading. I've already done it because I love you so much. I love you so much. I've accepted you more than you could ever ask or think. It's going to happen. So the thing that limits us is our awareness of who God is and who he is inside of us this morning. Amen. Good preaching. Okay. So let's review. Rob said it already. But there are basically two halves to the book of Ephesians, those six chapters. The first half is our relationship with God, and he calls Jesus Messiah, okay? He calls him Messiah, Christ, the one who saves us, all right? And so he deals with our belief in the first half. Belief in what? Belief in God, Belief in the fact that God has now presented himself to the Gentiles, not just to the Jews. Yes, it was for the Jews first, but now it's to the Gentiles. God wanted to be so dramatic. He's so practical. Think about this. Remember Saul on the way? Remember on that road when he was going? And God knocked him off his horse, and he went blind, and then God changed his name. Remember that? From Saul to Paul, well, guess what? I've never seen this before until my studies this week. God wanted to give us a practical example of what he's doing and where he's going. So he went from a Hebraic name, Saul, and changed it to a Greek name, Paul. Prophetic destiny. You see that? God is practical. He changed it so that Paul would always know, even when the times are hard, even when he's in prison like he is in Ephesians, when he wrote this book in prison, God, did I do the right thing going to the Gentiles? I'm in prison because of the Gentiles. And then all God has to do is remind him, what did I name you? Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. It's so amazing. So that's dealing with our belief. The first half is our belief. The second half is our relationship to others. Okay, so because we believe, because we've been filled with God's fullness, we're about to get to that here in a minute. Because of that, okay, now what? See, we can't just sit around in our pews and just bask in the love of God and then go do nothing. 
God's love is a love of action. That's why it's agape in scripture. Some people say agape. It's agape, it's a love of action. Yes, he has the ooey gooey feelings for us too, but it's a love of action. Meaning that I loved you so much, I sent somebody, his name is Jesus, to show you the love I have for you. Would you give your child for someone else? Boy, I never fully grasped that until I had my own children. Think about that. Do you feel the heart of God right now? That's how much God loves you. It's just the same if you were willing to give your own child for someone else. That's what God did for you. It's awesome. So because of our belief in who God is, it changes our, or it should change our behavior. First, toward the other believers around us. Now, how many of you guys know that the church is so united all the time they never bicker, fight, or complain? Oh, that must be a different church. No, I'm kidding. But so... The thing is, though, God wants us to practice. we got to practice what we believe to each other first so that we can go out into the world. So when they persecute us, Paul's thrown in prison, we don't act like the other heathens. You see? So maybe, just maybe, our churches don't grow like they should. Why? Because we haven't learned the lesson of how to treat our own believing brothers and sisters first. How can God add? Because remember, it's God, God adds to the church. It's not our prerogative. Our prerogative is just to be a witness, but then God adds to the church through the way we witness, with our actions first and our words second. So maybe could it be, could it be those of you watching online, I got a lot of people watching or will be watching, so could it be in y'all's churches that your churches aren't growing? First, because we haven't learned to appropriately deal with each other. How can God bless a church and have it grow in the right way if we can't treat each other correctly? Do you see that? So that's a little precursor that I had never thought about until I stood up here for the coming weeks. So remember that. Our belief has to coincide with our behavior. Or I should say, our behavior should coincide with our belief. Otherwise, what good is it? You see? It's so important. So let's start. Well, we've already started. <laughs> let's go to verse 13. Let's read that again. So, there we go. They're, they're helping me here this morning. So Paul talks about, says, don't lose heart because of the tribulations that I endure for you. It's for your glory. In other words, you should be honored. I went to prison for you. You see? That's what he's trying to say. Paul knows how to suffer, y'all. That brother, I mean, he went through a lot. He got stoned. He got whipped. He got beaten. He was left for dead. Folklore says that the believers in that city gathered around him and raised him back from the dead after he was stoned. That's the legend. Think about that. And then you know what he did? He went back into the city again. 
That's a brother. Now, the only person I've ever met that seems to be a bit like Paul to me is Dr. Leon. Have you ever met him before? Yeah. I feel like he would have done the exact same thing. Yeah, I just got stoned, got left for dead, but I got back up and went back into the city to preach again. Do you see Paul's intentionality? I mean, this brother was all in, y'all. He wrote scripture, but remember, he mostly wrote scripture when he was in prison because he didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> it's like, it's like the, they think that they're going to win, but they're not. I'm going to show them. Yeah, they just stoned me. Well, I'm going back for more. I mean, most of us would have given up and changed our life. I'm going back to business or something. He says, Paul suffers for them. So I'm going to shock you this morning, and this isn't in the notes, but I'm going to read this to you. This is in 1 Peter 2.21. It says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. Amen. Good preaching. You're all encouraged this morning. So people are like, Zach, what is my calling? What is my calling, Zach? I don't know my calling. Well, it's to handle, can I say it this way? Unfair treatment correctly. When your boss yells at you. When people stop being your friend because of your faith. When your family rejects you because of your belief system. When nobody likes you in the world, in the world, because of who you are in Christ. We have to learn to endure that because it's our calling. You know why? Because when we enter into what God's called us to do and then we suffer for it and then we handle the suffering correctly, not only do we grow spiritually, but then God, God gets glory for it, just like Jesus gave him glory. Because in the suffering, in Paul's case, in the stoning, resurrection comes on the other end if we don't lose heart. So next time your boss treats you wrong or looks over you and doesn't put you first, puts maybe somebody else that doesn't deserve it first, right? Just get happy, dance a jig, and say, resurrection's coming. My increase is coming if I handle this right. Amen? So it's our calling. But then Jesus in another passage said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. What did he say? For I have overcome the world. You can have peace, he says, knowing that. Guys, the worst and the best they can do to us is kill us. Because if we truly believe, we're going to be in glory. Amen? And I feel like this is a good time, and I'll take just a moment to say this. I feel like the last 18, 24 months in this world is giving us an opportunity as Christians to get a glimpse, a small taste of what it'll be like at the end. And God is saying to us, how are you going to handle it? How have you handled it now when persecution hasn't broken out fully against the church? Right? I believe with every fiber of my being that part of what's happening in the world today, all the things you see in the news, is God's way of warning Christians to say, get ready. Because one day, it'll be profoundly worse. But do you remember the end? What happens at the end of Revelation? Come on, people. What happens? Jesus comes back. Right? 
Remember what I said? So through the suffering, the resurrection takes place? That's exactly what's going to happen at the very end of the book. The rapture, the resurrection, you see? And Jesus comes back and sets everything right for a thousand years. That's the hope of our calling. The resurrection. Sometimes the clients, like last year, when the markets dropped, I think the stock market dropped 37% in like three weeks. I, y'all, you got to understand, in my line of work, when the stock market, the, the huge stock market, when it starts moving 10% per day, I mean, something's happening, y'all. <laughs> and there were a few people that were panicking, I got to tell you. So it would be down 10%, it was up 10%, it was down 10%, up 10%, and it was down, down, and down, and down, and down, and down. <laughs> you know, it, it almost feels like it, it's never going to get better. But see, the people that stayed with it and made the right decisions experienced the resurrection on the end when everything went back up. And so the world system is going to try to fake you out. And make you think you're not in God's will when things get hard. When you feel like you're suffering a bit. When those things that I mentioned a few minutes ago start happening to you. But don't be surprised. This is the time for you to grow. This is the time for you to give God's glory. Because the increase is coming. Amen. I love it. I hope that encourages you. Paul was, Paul was focused on the people for whom he suffered. He wasn't consumed with himself. Who else has been consumed with themselves before? Oh, sorry, my hand was raised. <laughs> so uh, I like attention, y'all. Again, my parents are here. So they've battled the fact that Zach Davis likes attention for a long time. <laughs> for those of you online, that was my dad. He is no longer able to talk after that moment. So um, here, here's the thing. Um, we don't need to change who we are. We just have to bridle it and learn on how to be the best authentic to who we are. Amen? Remember, Paul, he was killing Christians. No, no, no. Do you understand? I mean, we've been in church a while, right? So he was killing Christians. And he thought he was doing it for God. Y'all, that's an intense person. I mean, that's a really intense person. But see, God's so amazing, he got his attention in a very, very, very dramatic way because he's so intense, he's laser-focused. And then look what happened. God took probably the most intense Pharisee for the Jewish faith, the most committed, the most on fire for the Jewish faith, and turned him for Jesus. That's what God does. But here's the thing. Because of the way that he treated the church, God's a just God. And he balanced that out. He said, now, Paul, I will show you what it is to suffer. And Paul passed the test. Wouldn't you agree? Paul passed the test. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. So let's go to verse 14 and 15. 
And it says, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom the whole family in heaven on earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Okay, right there. Can we just stop for a second? People get so upset at these prosperity preachers. And I get it. There's some excess sometimes. But it just said it right there, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Do you think that's only limited to character? (laughs) Pastor Bob laughed. Come on, people, use your brain. Is that only limited to character? To a feeling of good well-being, to health and healing? Guys, it's abundance in every aspect. Abundance in every aspect. And then he says, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. I got ahead of myself. So Paul said, Paul prays to the Father. So that's the next thing. Notice how personal that is. Paul prays to the Father. He doesn't say he prays to God. He said, I pray to the Father. Because when you enter the family, remember, the Jews were the only ones in the family. God sent Jesus, right? So that the Gentiles could come into the family. So Paul says, I pray to the Father. Paul can't preach in prison, but he can pray. So here are the two things that every believer should do. They should be able to preach, and they should be able to pray. And there's a time and a season to do both. So Paul says, okay, I'm locked up. I can't go anywhere. Now what am I going to do? My iPhone won't work. Oh, that's, sorry, that doesn't work. But he can't call anybody. They don't have the technology, right? It takes a long time to write things. Okay, because you got to get somebody, back then you would orate and then somebody would write it down for you. Some people say Paul's eyes were pretty bad at the time, right? So he has that obstacle. So you know what he did? I'm just going to pray. And it's not like an afterthought. He's just saying, okay, I'm trapped, so I'm going to pray. And that's the best thing that could happen. I'm going to get myself out of the way. I'm going to pray for you and watch what the Holy Spirit will do. So folks, that's what all of us should be doing. We should be willing to preach and pray. The two P's, preach and pray. There's a time to preach and there's a time to pray. Now for me, the hard part is for me to just realize I just need to pray. We must be awed by God again. He also says that basically God is just amazing. Because he says that the whole family, right, is in Christ. But then God is huge. And he's higher than the heavens and the earth. It says in the Bible here that he holds the whole world in the palm of his hand. So why do we fear? God is bigger than the whole universe. Like, like we, we, I cast that aside sometimes. I don't meditate on that because it's so hard to comprehend. But God is bigger than the universe. That should take away all fear, all fear for anything, for any part of our life because God is in control. He holds the world so he has unlimited power. So as we go into verse 16, there it says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. 
So that's where I was starting to get ahead of myself there for a second because this is really on my heart these days. People have been conditioned by this world system to be weak. Have you noticed how everybody gets offended by everything all the time? Have you noticed that? Like you say, here's a great example. I told a manager of mine back in my 20s once, I said, hey, you look, you look nice today, so-and-so. And they said, what, I don't look nice every day? <laughs> That's the attitude, right? And say, wow, I really like their car. Well, what's wrong with my car? That's what people think. That's their default. Has that happened to you? I'm like, I, I didn't... <laughs> I'm nice, so I don't say this, but every time that happens, I want to go, I wasn't talking about you. <laughs> I was talking about them. Y'all, please understand that the world system is trying to condition us to be that way because when we're offended people, when we walk around with a chip on our shoulder, when we're thin-skinned, we're focused on ourselves. Remember, Paul was focused on them, on the, on the Christians, on the believers. How can we handle it when things go wrong or when things are rough if we're constantly focused on ourselves? We don't need to do that. So we don't need to be weak people. We need to have strength. And it says here that God gives us strength on the inside. That's why Paul's praying for it. So people are more insecure and weaker in spirit than ever before. But it says here in Ephesians, through this prayer, that we don't have to be. God in us, the hope of his glory. Y'all, I used to be paralyzed with what I would call approval addiction. I was the type of person, they could feel it. My poor friend Rob. They could feel it. They could feel it. Zach's just waiting. Zach needs something. Zach's pulling on me. He's trying. He needs someone to say something nice to him right now. Something. Y'all, when I used to lead worship up here 10 years ago, I used to get down every time. For those of you that were here before, I'd get down off the stage and I'd be in a panic wanting someone to encourage me. Guys, that's bondage. That's bondage. Approval addiction. Needing a pat on the back. I mean, I, I, it was so bad. Even if you said something bad about me or negative to me, it was still attention. And used to apologize all the time, all the time. Thankfully, I think I've gotten better. Y'all, that's bondage. I was weak in spirit. I was weak in spirit. And sometimes the things that happen to us in our childhood or through our parents or through certain situations or leaders in our life, they traumatize the weak or the young areas of our life. And we pull that into adulthood. I think, Angie, one of your friends said once that all of life is high school. <laughs> Guys, we got a whole lot of grown-up kids. And God is wanting mature believers that are willing to deal with those tra traumatic areas in our lives and become strong in spirit. So let's go to no verse 17. I'm willing myself. I'm going to get through all my notes. You guys ready? That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. All right. So everything not done in faith is what? Sin. That is an actual Bible verse. You missed the mark. If you don't do it in faith, it's sin. You've missed the mark. 
Now, I can talk about faith a long time. So I'm going to try not to do that tonight or today. Anyway, that shows you how long I'm going to preach tonight. <laughs> the Bible's definition of faith is now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Okay, Holy Spirit, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this. Guys, notice that faith and hope are linked. It's not in my notes. This might be all I say about faith today. Faith has to attach to hope for it to work. So if the devil and the world system causes you to lose peace and lose hope, you have nothing to hook your faith to. That's why I spent so much time about the suffering side, because on the other side is resurrection. Jesus suffered, he died, he was resurrected. That's what God wants for our life, even if it means it's in the next life. We're all, if we stay in faith, going to achieve resurrection. And so if faith is the substance of things hoped for, how can you give substance to something you don't have? Do you hear what I'm saying? If you don't have hope, you can't give substance to it. So if you don't believe in healing, you can't bring substance to it. It doesn't mean it's not true. It just means you don't have faith for it. The hope is the healing in your body. If it's finance, the hope is having abundance in your life. You see? And so our faith has to hook into that. So that means if you waver in your commitment, back to Ephesians, in who God is inside of you, you're losing hope. You have to know it even when you don't, quote, feel it, feel God, or necessarily hear his voice at the moment. That I am going to put faith in the fact that God's promise is secure, that he has filled me with his love and his fullness, and that I will hear his voice again, and that I will feel his presence, even if I go through a time period where it feels dry. It's so important. I saw you guys nodding, so thank you. The Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. That's what God wants for us. So let's go to verse 18 and 19. It says here, May that we be grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That is a huge statement. Do you hear what he just prayed? That you would be filled with the fullness of God. So God puts a seed of his nature in our spirits. And it's up to us to allow that seed to grow into a mighty harvest. The fullness of God. So God's saying it's up to you. You can have as much of me as you want. As you can handle. It's time to cultivate it. And it has to be grounded in love. God loves you, can I say it that way? You so much that he wants you to experience the fullness of his love. When we experience God's love, we will be complete in his life and power. We become strong on the inside. God accepts us. You know, in the Old Testament it says, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. You remember that? It doesn't mean that God had hatred, like anger toward Esau. He probably did at times, but it wasn't like this 
It, it wasn't a feeling. He's saying, I rejected Esau. He didn't meet the conditions, but I have accepted. See, Jacob. God's love is mostly wrapped up in his acceptance and his rejection. The condition is, do we know Jesus? So yes, God cares about us. He loves us. He has those feelings toward us. But when God says, I love you, he says, I've accepted you in Christ, the hope of glory. So we can only experience God's love fully by fellowshipping with one another. So there's the reason why our commitment at this church is for our community ministry with small groups. It's because the only way we can grow is by fellowship with one another. The only way we can fully know God is by seeing Jesus in everybody else. Do you think all of us on our own, any of us on our own, can reflect the full might of God by ourselves? God's too big for that. Do you see how God's amazing? So he says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a lot of children in my kingdom, and then I'm going to put gifts into each one of them so that other people can experience more of me through them. So the question is, are you having regular fellowship with other believers? One thing I didn't say earlier, we suffer in two ways, y'all. We suffer on the inside and on the outside. I was talking more about the outside through other people a few minutes ago. But guys, we have to be willing to suffer on the inside and die to our flesh. That's the other kind of suffering. In America, that's the kind of suffering that we fail to test with. So we're not willing to crucify our flesh for the sake of the other person. Even if it means, like Paul, we have to go to prison for them. That's love. You see that? If I deny what I want, we were dealing with that with Megan and Asher this morning, our children. Megan always wants to be first. She's the firstborn. And so she feels slighted when Asher goes before her. <laughs> so I'm trying to teach her that. She gets it from Angie. We're <laughs> 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 teaching our child to den deny herself. It's not a fun process. But I want to be a good daddy. All right, so let's round this up. Can we do that? Let's go to verse 20 and 21. It says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all the generations forever and ever. Amen. That's such a great ending point. Paul could pray, couldn't he? It says, God wants to expand our asking and imagination for his glory. You know, when I listen to other preachers, and they tell us these amazing stories about how they did things in faith and they achieved it in faith. You know what I think it is? Is they imagined something that they believe that God wanted for their life and they pursued it with all of their heart until it happened. See, I grew up with that kind of vision, seeing that kind of vision to work. And when I think of things that, I don't think what could go wrong. I think what could go right. So if I lose my job like I did 10, 12 years ago, 12 years ago, wow, it's been a while. 
I don't think, what am I going to do? How am I going to make it? I think, I'll just get another job. If, God forbid, this is just an example, if a car got wrecked, I don't think, how am I going to afford another car? I just think, I'll get another car. I'll find a way. I think that's a saying you used to say, find a way, right? I don't have the money to go on that vacation. Well, I'm going to find a way. See, we limit ourselves. And in our culture, because of the freedom we enjoy, is the government limiting you? I mean, really? You see, other cultures, they have the government limiting them. But in the United States of America, we have freedom. So sky's the limit. There's no middleman. It's you and God, y'all. Dream big. Do something great. What's, What's God got on the inside of you that you've squashed? Maybe somebody told me that you could never do that. Maybe you've told yourself I could never do that. For those of you watching online, what have you buried deep in your heart that you wouldn't be willing to let it out? Rob, Pastor Rob said at the beginning today that Angie and I have served in a lot of ministries, and we have. But it was the grooming process. And Rob and Shauna, God and Pastor, Pastor Bob, God endowed you guys with the job of watching Zach Davis get refined all these years. (laughs) Help us. What I'm hoping is that my children can be way ahead of me, that it wouldn't take 42 years to get to this point. But y'all, I can tell you, because of the pastors that we have, because of the friends, and because we've stayed planted, like Rob said, through thick or thin in this house, that Angie and I are moving to a next place And we're so excited. We're more excited now than we've ever been before because we're willing to ask God for things. You have not because you ask not. And believe for the the unbelievable and receive the impossible. Are you willing to do that with me today? Paul ends it like that on purpose because what he's hoping is while he's immobilized in prison, he's hoping that God through his Holy Spirit will prompt the other believers and mobilize them to preach the word, to expand the church, to give God glory. Because he's the yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Did you get something out of today? Did you get something out of today? Amen. Let's give God a hand. Why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes for a minute? Some of you are like, that guy's really excited about something. And I'm feeling a stirring. You know, I, I, I don't think I was going to say it this way, but I have it in my notes. While with every head bowed and eyes closed, I want to say this to you. I believe it's from the heart of God. If you see something wrong, what is God calling you to do to change it? What gifts has he given you? It's all for his glory. So my first thing here at the altar, I'm standing up here. For those of you with your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you, if you can say, Zach, it stirred me today. I have buried my gift. I have ignored my calling. 
<clears throat> I haven't thought bigger. Would you raise your hand? Just wave it at me. It's okay. There's no condemnation with this. It's just conviction. Have you buried what God's put inside of you? I want to do that. There's one major area of my life that maybe I'll tell one day where I buried my gift, gave it up to somebody else I shouldn't have a long time ago, and I lost a whole area of my ministry because of it. It wasn't a godly thing. So I'm gonna pray for you now. Lord Jesus, for even those that did not raise their hand but should have, I ask that you would place your hand on their hearts and that as they go today, as they have their Bible studies, as they're talking to other people, that you would put your finger on their hearts and stir up that gift again. Lord, that they would be mobilized to accomplish what you called them to accomplish in Jesus' name. For others of you, I'm talking about God's love and his acceptance, and you're saying, I feel rejected by God. Well, it's not God that's rejected you. He sent his son to die for you. He's accepted you in Christ. All he asks is for you to declare Jesus as Lord today and to receive him that way. So if you have never, ever, notice how I'm saying this. I'm not saying Savior. I'm saying Lord on purpose. If you have never received Jesus as Lord of your life, he's the king. He's the supreme master. Would you raise your hand up at me? like we're all in the family that's amazing but for those that may watch online let's say a prayer and I'll just pray Lord Jesus for that person that's watching that's feeling convicted either they have never made Jesus Lord or they've strayed God I ask that you would touch them in Jesus' name that you'd pull them into your love once again that as they make a step towards you that you would draw near to them just like James says And Lord, I thank you for salvations that come out and break out. Lord, I pray for this house. This house would become greater than ever before for your glory. That it would grow. That hearts would change. That relationship with you would deepen. And God, that the love for you and for one another would be just like what Ephesians says here. It would be so great that we would experience your fullness. It's in Jesus' name we all say. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.